Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and this is episode 76 of the Weekly Word Podcast. And yes, I've missed the last few weeks. I was on family vacation last week, or 10 days, and as I talk a lot about on this podcast, it's important that we all take a chance or take some time away from the training, from our work, and so forth, in order to sort of recalibrate, recharge, rebuild, and also re-inspire ourselves. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when we take a week off, when we take 10 days off and do other activities and do other things, let's say in this case, very family-oriented, we were tourists in Washington, D.C., Um, and I'll go into more detail about that in a moment, but it allowed the hunger and the love and the desire to just be reinforced of the training that we do and the events that we have ahead of us. Now, I've never struggled with this aspect, but I think it's important in general for us to uh, let go at times, and like I talk about more in this podcast coming up, about how I might get caught up in my own um, mistakes of the three-legged stool. And while I talk a lot about the three-legged stool and balance and priorities and staying true to your desired outcomes, um, I too make those mistakes a lot. So yeah, a week away with family. And um, yes, you might be wondering, wait a moment, a week away with family. Um, What does that mean with an Ironman next week? (laughs) Yes, I did take a week off of training, no bike for nine days, um, and go on vacation with uh, my family. And only an hour a day of swimming in the morning or on opposite days, an easy run. So yes, weird timing, um, two weeks out of an Ironman to take a week of an hour of training a day and seeing friends. I went to uh, uh, my last few years of college and did my grad work, grad school work in Washington, D.C., so I saw a lot of old friends there. So that also has a recharging, recalibrating effect, seeing friends from 25 years ago and refamiliarizing myself with them and their family and their loved ones was great, as well as my better half. She went to school in that area as well, and so we saw a lot of her friends. And so, you know, getting kids together, families together, and so forth, it's good energy. And yes, while on the one hand, it would have been nice to train and have a good bike ride and continue the focus towards Ironman Canada in four or five days, it's also good to know that, you know what, Chris, there's plenty of experience, plenty of fitness, plenty of ability, um, and plenty of perspective to keep in mind for this next race. Now, You all might be rolling your eyes a little bit. Yes, I do have the experience of having done 35 to 40 some odd Ironmans under my belt, as well as I don't need this Ironman coming up to be any type of placing or performance. I just need to finish in order to validate this hopeful entry for Ultraman. So of course, the pressures and the focus and the desired outcomes are totally different. So I would never want to project that upon any of you and your goals. So that's that's not my purpose here. My purpose is just to highlight 
that there are windows, as I always talk about, there are windows in our training and in our um, builds and actually in our life where we just sort of roll with the different scenarios and the beautiful outcomes that are within those different windows. And in this past week, the beautiful outcome in that window was seeing old friends, seeing their children, uh, marveling at what, where we have come in the last 25 years with regards to being college roommates to, you know, needing a table of 20 in order to put our three or four families together um, because that's how many kids and so forth are floating around. So, and so forth, meaning um, uh, not, you know, non-kids, but, you know, merged families in my case. Um, so, Anyway, the Weekly Word Podcast, some of you might be new to it. I jumped right in there. Um, I try to get out a Weekly Word Podcast every week, but as you guys all know, my longtime listeners, it, it, life gets in the way every now and then, and I try to um, stay on it as best as I can, but last week was just not going to happen like that. And it is important to me that when I talk on this podcast that I bring things up that flow and that have meaning and that really contribute to your ultra endurance outcomes and your prep and your racing and your mindset and all the aspects of ultra endurance events and also how you're growing to ultra endurance events. A lot of athletes that come to me as well as listen to this that I come across in many aspects of life, um, of my daily life, not big picture life, um, are on their path towards ultra endurance. And they are learning a lot about ultra endurance and how to prep for it and how to train for it and how to create the platform for their body and their mind and their nutrition and their training in order to gradually, but in a healthy, injury-free, non-mental burnout way to continue to grow into the world of ultra endurance. Now, many of you know that I'm a big, big fan of growing the body and the fitness to this body of work that we can take on any adventure that our heart desires. And in order to build that fitness, in order to build that platform so that we can branch off for six, eight, 12 weeks of training in one direction to do an Ironman, if we can branch off for six, eight, 12 weeks in another direction to do a 50 miler or a 100 mile run, if we can branch off into another direction and do a marathon swim. If we can branch off in another direction to do a uh, you know desert stage race or even mountain stage race or a multi-sport adventure with regards to whether that swim run or like one of my athletes is doing horseback ride and run and another one of my athletes is doing a sailboat race um, across a variety of um, um, Seas and then also doing endurance events on the islands that they achieve that they reach. Um, there's so many different adventures out there, and so much life to be enjoyed with regards to healthy fitness. That that's what I want to contribute to for all of you, and that's basically what my coaching and this weekly word podcast is: is creating a platform that you are healthy and injury free and fit enough to take on any of life's adventures. And I say any, I mean, um, from the special forces, the special operators that I work with, and no, it's not a lot, but a few, 
I really like to converse with them along the lines of it's a unique opportunity where you are currently and what you are doing to live it fully. You signed up for it. You're voluntarily there. You are representing our country and everything we stand for, our values, and putting forth um, this lack of better description right now, beacon of light um, of what we stand for here in the United States and in a truly human fashion. And for you to have the fitness and the outlook and the um, perspective to do whatever you would like to do in that capacity and explore and learn more about your body, that's all part of the bigger picture. And I know everybody's scenario is different. Everybody's life is different. Everybody's lead in and lead up and desired outcomes are different. But when we're fit with outstanding fitness and injury-free, we just have the energy and the perspective to deal with the adversity of that life throws at us. And especially for those guys and, of course, gals out there, um, in our military, for them to be in a place where they can better deal with what life, what their scenario throws at them, it's an honor to be able to work with them and guide them and help them. No, I'm not the only driving force, but just contribute a small way to their um, having a better perspective and outlook and realizing the beauty of life around them at all times. And fitness and health and energy all help us with regards to that. So yeah, the Weekly Word Podcast, a long lead in there, but I hope that creates a pretty good perspective for those of you that missed the podcast last week because I didn't record one, and those of you that are new to the podcast, because as many of you know, that rich role coach's corner continues to grow and continues to pull in more and more interested parties with regards to listening to the weekly word podcast so welcome to all of you that are new you only have 75 episodes to catch up on <laughs> and which is about 150 hours of me talking and uh Welcome back to all of you that um, listen and send me such kind notes with regards to how much you're enjoying the podcast, how much you're getting out of the podcast with such great questions and so forth. I try to get back, and I think I do get back to every one of you that send me such kind notes with regards to the podcast and how you're enjoying it. And thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this growing community of understanding that endurance and fitness and training is about balance. It's not about pulling up your compression socks tighter and higher and being too uptight about all this training and our desired outcomes. It's about longevity. It's about the long game. It's about perspective. It's about foundation. It's about health and fitness and perspective. It's about being outside. It's about being immersed in nature. It's about so much more than just a number or a podium place or uh, some sort of um, measured outcome. It's a lifestyle. 
and not because of any type of negative implications that going for a result is, is always a bad thing, but I want you as my athletes, as my listeners, to take a, a part of all this in seeing that the long game is about balance and perspective and keeping everybody around you engaged and happy with that you are doing these long hours and this extremely difficult training and balancing it all. And there's, as you all know, there's times where we can't balance it all and things have to pull back and priorities and shift. And then there's other times where training windows open and things are alive and you feel great and healthy. And that's what I try to do with a lot of my athletes and coaching them to prepare them physically for the windows of time in their lives where they can really train big, to be fit enough to really train big, to feel that huge adaptation and that growth and that understanding and that new platform and the new normal of ultra endurance work. And then knowing that it won't last forever, it won't last maybe that long, but to really be ready for it. And I, I was talking to an athlete the other day. He had just done his first Ironman with me. He's done Ironman before and qualified for Kona many years before. And he qualified for Kona this past weekend at Lake Placid and did great. And um, it's the same thing with regards to racing. And racing is a little microcosm of our bigger picture of training and life. And that is our strategy as we go to Kona, but also for future Ironmans is not just going faster now, but doing it with more control, more perspective, and then being able to use the real estate, those windows in a race when things empty out, free up to really let our fitness and our ability shine. So on the bike, right? It's late in an Ironman when things empty out, the roads empty out, to have the fitness to dial up more effort there or display our fitness by being super efficient and arrow and relaxed and just putting a big gap um, despite riding pretty relaxed on your competition. It's in open water swims or the start of an Ironman swim where things are very congested. You want to be able to maintain the fitness and the control and not putting the tax on your body so that when the water does open up, when the real estate does open up, that you can swim your stroke, your distance per stroke, your power and your speed and your rhythm faster and more efficient when that time comes. And really, again, move your swim time forward. Same thing in running in marathons, right? Or even in an Ironman or a standalone marathon, even in ultra runs. There's times when the course or people are just in the way and you can't really open it up or can't find your stride or can't find your rhythm or can't relax properly and really hit the paces that you might be looking to hit or thought you could hit. So then we want to be able to display that fitness and that rhythm and those paces when real estate when windows open up. So keep that in mind, windows opening up. And whether that's in life or in races or in training even, we want to take fully full advantage of those windows. So what are we going to talk about this week? Well, I have a big topic. I would say I have uh, three pages of notes here. Um, and the main part about that is going to be talking about how we need to coach the person and not the training plan. 
And what it, that means is we're not looking to, to try to fit or I'm not looking to try to fit. And many of you should, when you're looking at it for yourself, not try to fit yourself into a training plan, but fit the training plan to your life and your adaptations and your current schedules and how your body is growing towards this endurance fitness, as well as how career and family fit all into it. And so a lot of this is about not forcing adaptation. It's about letting the adaptation drive your training plan, drive your growth, because you need to be coached and you need to train where you currently are, not where you want to be. And a lot of us have this mindset and have this approach that we want to get to a, a point far off in the future and we start training those paces or training those efforts or training that and instead of focusing on where we currently are on fundamentals on good technique and allowing ourselves to grow and adapt to the place where we want to get to to our desired outcomes and that's why numbered goals or placing goals are often um, very dangerous because it doesn't allow us to trend in the right direction. Adaptation is not, <clears throat> excuse me, a linear thing. And that's the challenge with a lot of this and a lot of this training is athletes have goals and it's important to train um, with where you are versus where you want to be. And from there, adaptations aren't linear. Um, inputs don't necessarily equal outputs. Um, our body is messy. Adaptations are messy. And therefore, we need to be extremely observant and patient to allow it to grow. And that is the bigger challenge. So a lot of this uh, next discussion will be a little choppy. And that is because I'm probably trying to verbalize a lot of concepts that come up when it comes to coaching um, ultra endurance athletes because I say that it's different with ultra endurance athletes because the distances are so great and the training is could entail so many things but where we want to get to with regards to fitness is something so unfamiliar to us with regards to a 100-mile run, with regards to an Ironman, with regards to a 200-mile run, with regards to a 1,000-mile bike ride in you know, seven days, with regards to any of the endurance challenges we're looking to take on. Um, we, it, it's almost unfathomable, right? Our mind can't wrap itself how we're going to do that. And so we start thinking in terms of fitness and training and um, plans of what is currently being done in shorter distances and so forth, whether that's hill repeats or track work or strength work or a variety of different concepts. And while variety and different things are really good with regards to any type of endurance training and sports-specific work, we also want to keep in mind that this is a long-term project, right? We, you can't force yourself to get somewhere. And I talk a lot on this podcast, whether you're my athlete or not. You can't force yourself to get somewhere. You need to allow yourself to evolve and gain the adaptations to get there. And if you do that in the right way, you avoid 
so many injuries and so many coaching traps, right? Um, that there's a lot of coaches are out there that are looking to satisfy you, the client, you, the athlete, in order to quickly try to get you to have these performance um, gains, to have these improvements that are close to the numbers that you're trying to achieve. And what you want to be careful about that is that, is this the best long-term outcome for me and my future goals and this lifestyle? And this lifestyle being ultra endurance and staying this fit and staying this healthy and having a long-term perspective towards future events and participation in adventures that you want to take part in. And we all want to be rational about building a plan that is with steady fitness gains and progression. That looks so great on paper, right? Or in our training peaks. When you build this beautiful plan, it all looks great. And then life gets in the way. Then we get sick. Then things come up. Then work is overloading us. Then a big project is dumped on our desk. Then our kids' activities require too much of our time. We just can't do those type of hours. Or we can't give that type of high-quality work because our sleep is compromised because life just gets in the way. And so the, the best training plan, the best book that you read, the best training plan you buy online isn't going to work because you are a human being and you have different ways of adapting. And we all are different with regards to our faults of how we adapt. We all don't have this linear progression. And like I was saying earlier, inputs don't necessarily equal the outputs. We think that we can easily put in this type of work and it should equal that. And of course, on paper, it always does. But as we know, life is messy and our adaptations are messy. And in a lot of cases, we see it with a lot of athletes around us or our friends. They do certain types of training, certain types of um, type of training plan even, or a certain type of linear progression, and they seem to be improving. And that might work for a few athletes, but it doesn't work for the bigger picture of athletes because, again, everyone is different. And you can't think that what one plan or what one athlete is doing is going to work for you because you and your life and your family and your career and your sleep and your nutrition and your stress levels and your history and your injuries and your background and your upbringing and your mindset and your cultural approach and blah, 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 blah. So many different things factor into who you are and how you are going to absorb the training. The reality is that we know adaptations are messy. The body is going to adapt how it wants to adapt. We can't force that. Now we can help it. We can influence it, we can guide it, but we can't force adaptation. As we just said, the three-legged stool and all those imports will um, impact our performance and our adaptations. And that's what it's like to be a human. It's, there's too many things um, that come up that interfere with life of athletics. And why I say it like that and why I sort of delayed like that is because it brings up that 
why we're not pro and why we don't live this. And even the pros that do this professionally wake up in the morning and work on their body and work on their nutrition and train all day relatively and get their massages and get their sleep and get everything that they need and repeat and rinse for many weeks and months and years in a row. Even they have messy adaptations. Even they don't have linear progress. Even they don't have the input equals output equation. And I was talking to an athlete the other day, and she has been doing some amazing work over the last six to eight months with regards to her training, with regards to her data from her training. And she had a really good year last year. She quickly moved up the ranks um, of her age group. And she really does have a realistic shot of qualifying for Kona this year. And on the one hand, um, she has those expectations of thinking, hmm, if I progress like last year, I should be able to reach this time or have these expectations, right, um, with regards to Kona and qualifying. But on the other hand, we had a longer discussion around we can't expect last year's growth to repeat itself. We can't expect last year's training plan to repeat itself. We can't expect the numbers and the um, training plan unfolding during the season to be the same. You will not have the same successes. You will not have the same confidence building inputs. You will not have those workouts where you feel you're invincible the same way as last year because the body is a complex system. And last year's model just doesn't apply to this year's model. And that's the thing to keep in mind. So this year, her races so far have shown limited improvement. And that has nothing to do with her desire, has nothing to do with her work ethic, has nothing to do with her prep, has nothing to do with her um, quality and being an athlete and thinking ahead and her mindset, all those things. As we said, these things aren't linear. The body is a complex system. And because of her work, there are other things that are progressing. She might not have the results yet this year of like as in comparison to last year. But a lot of little details are getting better. She's learning more about her body. She's learning more about her fueling and nutrition. Her strength work is displaying itself in different spots. Her climbing is getting better. She feels more in control of her outcome during training, which means same energy output or even less energy output, but being more with it with regards to when she can increase her wattages and paces, when she needs to slow down, and how she's in control of key quality workouts or key simulations. Just because the race performances haven't broken through yet doesn't mean she isn't getting stronger, doesn't mean she isn't getting fitter, doesn't mean she isn't getting smarter. It's just, again, it's not a linear process. And she's a great example. And this person in, in this case, as I'm talking, is a great example of we can't force the adaptation. We have to be where we currently are and do our best where we currently are versus trying to force ourselves into where we want to be. 
right? That's the constant theme of this discussion, that you don't want to force yourself to where you want to be, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your training, like I always talk about on the Weekly Word podcast. This ultra-endurance training has a weird way of showing all the other aspects of our lives as well. And in this case, you can't force yourself to be a director at the company if you're currently just a you know, senior manager. You can't force yourself to gain those skills or learn that mastery if you currently are in a different place. You can't force yourself to have certain qualities or have certain growth in your personal growth or your self-growth or in your relationships if you're just not there yet, if you haven't done the work yet for it, if you haven't done that and put forth the practice or created that habit. It's the same thing in training. Just because you're doing the work or putting the inputs in doesn't mean it's just going to get you to A plus B. One plus one in training in our bodies and adaptations and human life doesn't equal two. Sometimes it equals 500. Sometimes it equals negative 50. It just, it is what it is. And I know that's a lame way of describing it is what it is, but we know we're doing the work. We know we're being diligent. We know we're being consistent. We know we're paying attention. And here's the key. We know we're trending in the right direction. The big picture is we're trending in the right direction. And that's what you want to know from your training. That's what you want to know when you're working with your coach. That's what you want to know when you're building your confidence. That's what you want to know when you're looking at your big picture training plan. That's what you want to know with your desired outcomes and future adventures and goals is that you're trending in the right direction. That's why I talk and specifically use the word desired outcomes. It's a North Star. It's something sitting way out there. And you are on a path and you are trending towards that desired outcome. Goals are often what I've talked about also in the past. They're specific. They're measurable. Right? They're attainable. They're realistic. They're time-specific. Smart criteria. We have all heard about it a zillion times. Um, they're very specific numbers, and so then when we're, they're absolute, and when we don't achieve them, we feel not necessarily like a failure, but we definitely feel let down. But desired outcomes are North Star, how we're trending, how we're getting fitter, how we're staying healthy, how we're getting leaner and um, stronger power-to-weight ratio how we're getting better at running in the hills, how our footwork is getting better with regards to our running, how we're able to handle different terrain and so forth, how we're able to run better downhill and gain the strength in order to keep the leg turnover going on long downhills, which is a key component to ultra running, um, how our distance per stroke and swimming is improving. All those things, they will display itself right? Um, I heard this the other day, and uh, another coach was talking about this. It's the map versus the territory. The map is the training plan. But the territory on where we, when you look at a map, whether you're playing Pirates of the Caribbean, or when you're other, or you're looking at a more complex map, um, hiking, climbing, driving, whatever, with um, topo maps and so forth, 
The map doesn't tell you all the details of once your boots on the ground. Boots on the ground means weather, means wind, means heat, means cold, means rearing terrain, means um, headwinds, means tailwinds, means bad footing, means good footing. There's so many things, and the training plan is the map. But the territory of what that map is displaying is truly what's happening, and you want to be fit enough from the map prepared to deal with the territory right? And so keep in mind that once you're in the territory, just because you had the map doesn't mean you're going to be the first to the, to the outcome, doesn't mean you're going to be, um, have an easy day. It just means you're prepared to deal with the territory. And I know I'm jumping around a bit, but I'm trying to highlight in different ways, in different aspects, in different angles, why training and our Adaptations are not linear. And again, a training plan, right? And um, who you are are two different things. And what we said about this topic is you want to prepare yourself as a person. You want to be coached as a person, as a human being, and not as a training plan that you should fit in there. And that's why map versus territory is another way of describing that. You're given the training plan. You're given the map to deal with that territory. Now, with that fitness, with the training plan, you're prepared to have the perspective to be able to deal with what reality will bring. And I talk about this a lot also with regards to you might be the fittest guy come event day, come race day, come whatever event it is you're doing where you're measured against other people. But if you're not ready to deal with the uncontrollable outcomes of that day, you will not be, um, you will not have the result you're looking for, whether that's in a race or a longer multi-stage endurance adventure or whatever. Because fitness doesn't always display itself in ultra endurance events. It's fitness plus your ability to deal with the uncontrollables. Map is fitness territory is the uncontrollables, right? And you want to have the wherewithal, you want to have the presence of mind, you want to have be able to control the things that you can control, but in order to deal with the things that you can't control. And control is a huge word there because the thing is what you can control is your pacing and your out, uh, and your output and your um how much tax you're putting on the body so that you can deal with the rest of your day. So, um, and the other thing too with um, regards to map versus territory is listening to your body, right? What we've talked about is a lot on this podcast is your ability to listen to your body and if you need to readjust map versus territory again, uh, the training plan, readjust the map, change direction, come at it from a different angle, recalibrate sort of your training in order to deal with the territory you are on or going down a wrong road or down a wrong path, well, then that, again, is a great way that you are being the human being and not the training plan. In so many things that we do on our on a daily basis, whether at work or just how we've learned in the past, even as little children, I see this with my kids all the time. 
We want to think in linear growth trends, right? Like I was saying, inputs equal outputs. And that's what we tell our kids. That's what we tell, um, that's how we work with regards to studying and college and then in a work environment. What you put in, you know, building widgets, you know, what you put in will result in an output. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast here where it's like if you put in the work, you will get in the desired outcomes eventually. But that's the key word there, eventually. Um, sometimes just because the results aren't there doesn't mean we're not improving, like I was saying earlier. So we got to trust the trends and eventually the outcomes will come because eventually the body will break through. There are plenty of things, as we were saying, displaying growth. Breakthrough can come in many different ways. But again, if we force the improvement, we're going to limit those future breakthroughs, those current breakthroughs that we can having, are having. Especially if we force breakthroughs or if we force improvement, that's when injuries are likely to happen. That's a big aspect of why many people get injured. They're forcing improvement. Forcing improvement means that we add that extra volume because we think we need to catch up or we think it's better to do more. But that's not where the body currently is based off of its adaptations, its a load, its recovery, and so forth. When we force improvement, we run too fast. We're looking for too fast of a pace or too high of a wattage. Right In the pool, it's a little different because it's so skill-oriented and fitness-oriented and oxygen-based that if you go too fast, you just blow up and you slow down. But similarly, keep in mind, in the pool, it's very um, actually apropos. The body automatically slows you down. If you are not in that place to do that 200 or that 400 or that 100 pace, it'll eventually just, you'll hit a wall and you'll slow down. And guess what? That workout was not, again, adapted, absorbed, and your trending growth was limited there because that workout wasn't as effective as it could have been. Do your best. Just do your best at adapting for where you are right now. We, we can't force improvement, right? We can wait and be patient to allow fitness and adapt adaptations to express themselves. It's not wasted time, right? You're working on technique and fundamentals and good training and good mindset and good fueling and good nutrition. As I was saying earlier, there's a thousand things that are displaying themselves all the time as you're training and as you're showing up every day and as you're being mentally present and as you're doing your best in regards to where you currently are and as you're recovering and as you're sleeping and as you're eating right and as you're doing the details and as you're getting better like I was talking about the athlete earlier getting better at running downhill at getting getting better at leg turnover at getting better at all those things that might not just display themselves in a race right now Something might be blocking it. Something might be standing in its way. And oftentimes, it's one of the other pillars that might be blocking you, that there's some sort of stress or some sort of family lead, lead, bleh, excuse me, lead in that is not allowing you to put all your mental fortitude towards whether the training or the race or the event, right? 
There's so many things as human beings for us in our daily lives that can get in the way with that. Again, we want to be trending in the right direction and we want to continue to build confidence and trust that it will come. It will come, right? And again, we're not looking to qualify for the Olympics. We're looking to continuously improve, get fitter, show more control, and continue to gain confidence to do the ultra endurance events and adventures and achieve the desired outcomes that we have out there as our North Star and that we're still on the path. And we might not be in the middle of the path and we might not be on a straight line towards that North Star, but again, we're trending towards it. So don't look for the daily improvement. Don't look for the daily numbers. Don't look for the race-to-race trajectory. It's not always that fitness is going to match race performance. You might be way fitter than that race. But because of the lead-in, because of other things, because of the heat, because of the territory, because of your training leading up to it, because of your mental state, because of other focuses, because of lack of sleep, because of being sick, because of a niggle of an injury, because of so many factors, your fitness might be not might not be displaying itself at with performance. And that's again uh, messes with our mind. I understand that. But my data and my numbers and my sensations and how I was listening to my body and everything, how I'm training, I feel so good. Why did it not display itself in the performance, in the event? in the race. Be patient. It will come. It will come. Trending in the right direction is key. Because if you're constantly looking for number gains in training, you will wear yourself out. You will burn yourself out and you will fatigue yourself mentally because it's a draining game, right? Because then every workout has to be an improvement and it doesn't work like that. You know enough of that already as an athlete that it doesn't work like that. You should be focusing on getting what you need out of the workout, not proving yourself in every workout. I have athletes all the time email me or in their training log updates. You know, they question everything about that workout's performance and how it compared to last week or the previous day and so forth. It is not a linear process. Inputs do not equal outputs. Am I trending in the right direction? Did I show up? Did I do the work? Did I do my best? Did I pay attention? Did I get the desired outcome for this workout? Even if not, did I gain other little benefits, technique, fundamentals, all those things? There's so much to be pulled out of a workout. Am I trending in the right direction? Win the workouts. Don't lose them. Winning workouts means all the things that I was just saying. It means you're trending in the right directions. You did better than weeks ago with regards to mindset, with regards to prep, with regards to execution, with regards to control. I did this workout with the same effort as many weeks ago, and I feel better. I'm recovering quicker. I say to so many of my athletes, to me, the sign of fitness in training is how quickly you recover from the previous workout and you're ready to go the next day, right? That's what I want to learn about. Where in your logs, in your training logs, I read, man, last week I was shelled from this workout. And this week, I'm not as shelled. 
That has nothing to do with numbers or wattages or paces or anything. That has to do with trending in the right direction. That has to do with winning the workout, right? Because now the adaptations are happening for where you are. You didn't force it. And you're recovering quicker so that today or tomorrow, your next workout is another adaptation, is another layer, right? Is another win. Don't get addicted to improvement. Don't force adaptation. Let the adaptation drive the growth and training, right? And it sounds boring, but that's what a lot of this training is. It's boring work. But again, as another coach said the other day, because I talked to a variety of them, boring work ensures a good body of work, right? It's those zone two aerobic workouts. You got to put them in there. They're boring. They're mind numbing in many cases, but it's what you need right now. It ensures the body of work. It makes the foundation. It creates the layers so that down the road when we need the speed and fitness and quality and so forth, you've done the boring work. You've done the fundamentals. You've done the things slowly, cleanly, fundamentally, technically sound. That's one of my favorite parts of zone two aerobic training. And it's, it's quite boring. And it's quite frustrating for a lot of athletes because it's exactly the opposite on how they learn to train, right? They learn to go hard or go home. They learned to feel the burn. They learn that you need to train at the pace you want to race at. But the beauty of zone two and the way I love to coach athletes is because twofold. One, if they can get through the boring, they're going to be mentally better prepared and patient and committed for when the more exciting work, should I say, comes. That's one. But two, the confidence and the growth and the beauty and the aha moments and the smiles that come up for athletes when after boring zone two work, they have huge performance gains, fitness. They know they're getting fitter, fitter. I shouldn't say that. But performance gains where they race and all of a sudden they have these great improvements off of boring zone two work. Or they test again and they have these huge gains off of boring zone two work. Achieve that. Now we're ready to go. Now the athlete is bought in. Now the athlete understands boring. Now the athlete's going to train according to where they are versus where they want to be. Now I can coach the person and I don't need to um, have them worried about a training plan or their desired outcomes. Now they don't force adaptation and they don't jump ahead in their training or want to or do too much. Because if boring gets you the gains, we're ready to do some serious work. And so many of us see these exciting workouts or see these exciting training plans and see this high quality stuff and race paces and seriously strong efforts, big cycling workouts and the wattage is being done and so forth. 
or great runs off the bike and these massive builds and so forth. Whether that's by pro triathletes or elite age group triathletes or runners or ultra runners. And we get our inputs. You guys all see them, whether that's on um, social media or just on reading or the internet or so forth. But what you don't see is their boring work. The years that they put in at boring. And you see the buildups, you see the glamour. But nobody ever posts the boring. Nobody posts where they used to be in order for the adaptations to happen. Nobody posts, um, you know, the hours and hours and hours of boring work. But they weren't forcing adaptation. They were allowing their body to work where it needs to be in order to down the road have that success. And that's what coaching is truly about, right? That you have the bigger picture plan for down the road, whether that's years, whether that's months, whatever that timeline is, whatever the vision is, whatever the desired outcome is. As a coach, my job is to ensure that you get to that far off place in a healthy, sustainable manner and continuing to grow your fitness, your control, your ability, your adaptation, your learning, right? In order for you to do the boring work now, but to get the future outcome. And like I was saying about 30 minutes ago in this discussion, many coaches will want to satisfy you now with regards to quick results, with regards to quick outcomes. But if you have a bigger vision, and a lifestyle, and a prep in mind for something that you want to maintain for many, many years to come and continue to grow. That's the other thing, right? Just because you're 42 years old and in, at 55 you want to do this doesn't mean you can't, right? You can continue to get fitter, stronger, better way into the future, right? You're not reaching your potential in three to five years. Yes. Do we get an insight in what you're capable of and your potential with regards to fitness and endurance within two to three years? For sure. But your growth is not limited at all, at all. And just because numbers or wattages fall off, because let's say we're getting older, doesn't mean your fitness and your experience and your education and ability to still have fantastic results or take on fantastic adventures is limited in any way because that fitness, that layer, that, was, that foundation will not go away. And that's, that's how this entire process works. So I think uh, we've done enough with regards to understanding where the body is now versus trying to train where you want to be. With regards to forcing adaptation, with regards to coaching the human being versus being a slave to the training plan versus, um, not versus, um, with regards to listening to your body, with regards to that training and performance isn't linear, inputs do not equal outputs, that you want to be trending in the right direction. I think the point is made. And, you know, we've all struggled with many of this, many of this, 
I've struggled with it, and I've struggled with many athletes on this, on their patience and their um, lack of understanding. And I don't say that in a negative way, in a in demeaning way, lack of understanding. It's just, it's hard. It really is hard to understand that this stuff isn't linear. And that just because you see training numbers or just because you're layering upon layer in training doesn't necessarily always going to mean that you're going to have that performance that you want. And be patient and trust it, trust it, trust it, trust it. You will get there, right? Boring will pay off. And constant growth and adaptations will pay off. Maybe not in the next race, maybe not in the next six months. But the breakthrough will happen. The blocking, the blockage, whatever's in the way will fall off. And that breakthrough and that big leap forward in performance will happen. But for now, train where you're at. Train who you are right now. Take the windows for what they are right now and become stronger, smarter, fitter, better in the now. And enjoy this process and stay healthy and injury-free, and we will continue to move forward and grow. Alrighty, as you all know, I always like to include a couple of listener questions with regards to the podcast that I've received. So one I've got here, I'm going to do two today. One's from one of my athletes um, in Sweden, and the other one is from one of you, one of my listeners. Um, hey, Chris, I first heard of you on the Ritual Podcast, and now I've been listening to your podcast for a week now. Love your concepts and strategy and looking forward to growing through learning from you. I have a 51-mile ultra I'm training for in 29 days. Um, he sent this to me a week ago. So in less than that, in three weeks. This past week, I've been training about three days a week in zone two, doing 60 minutes of hit two days. So hit being high-intensity interval training. H-I-I-T, and 15-mile trail runs two days a week, I'm assuming. I take a pre-workout with fentermine by prescription. It seems that my heart rate is artificially jumping up and therefore making my zone two lower by perceptional effort. In fact, today I ran on half a scoop and the workout was harder, five, um, some miles per hour that he's putting in here. It was definitely a hard worker in my perception, my mind, but my heart rate wasn't very high. My question is, do you think I should quit caffeine, both caffeine pre-workout and fentermine, and really focus on getting my zone two training down so that from a perception and effort, my base is set without those stimulants? Or do you think I should continue with on my method until the ultra is done and then quit those and train in zone two without those stimulants? Good question. Um, so of course I'll do the typical internet social media thing. I'm not a doctor and I don't pretend to be one on the internet or on any podcast. So if you're taking that by prescription and you need to based off of medical input and advice, that is who you currently are. That is the athlete you currently are. So my advice in a situation like this is to understand, given those inputs, that is where your heart rate currently is. And that is challenging because you know your heart rate is elevated, but that's the tax on your body on who you currently are. 
I would do what you were talking about with regards to get through this ultra and do the training that you're currently doing and observe how this uh, ultra is going to go and take the observations, take listening to the body, take what you know with regards to the heart rate being elevated, make notes, put that in your training log in your diary, and then afterwards come together with yourself with, um, and your coach, if you're working with a coach, if not, just take a look at that and see how you want to make those adjustments. The other thing is, keep in mind, zone two is not an absolute. I talk a lot about this on the podcast. Zone two, if you're going to go by feel, it should feel too easy. It should feel boring, like I just talked about. So therefore, one, you can't do any damage by going too easy. And two, if you feel like the pace you're doing and the workout you did was a waste of time, you're probably doing it correctly, which is hard to fathom, right? Like we always talk about feel the burn, go hard or go home, um, the quality and so forth. If you feel like it was a waste of time, you're probably doing it right. So that might be independent of zone two. If it's that easy, so you don't even have to worry about what I'm saying here with the caffeine and the elevated heart rate and your phenamine prescription. Instead, make sure that the effort you're running at, you're training at long, slow runs, are at an effort level that you feel is too easy, is a waste of my time. It should feel like when you finish, you can go again and do it again. Now, of course, in ultra running, we all know there's the pounding on the body and eventually our joints and our muscles hurt because of the pounding, not because of the effort. Our heart, our lungs feel fine. It's our legs and our hips and our knees and our feet that get um, fatigued from the pounding. So keep that in mind. But in general, therefore, when you look at your training plan, you can sort of keep that in mind that those easy days really are easy. Right? And you have the beauty in your case of being able to um, do quality on the other two days. So that keeps your full body strength going. So and you're probably not looking at it at the, during the HIIT workouts with regards to your heart rate. Um, and uh, what was the other one? So three days a week in zone two, which I hope is too easy. Right, If you go in too easy, that's perfect. And if two days a week, you're doing high intensity interval training, which is based off of perception, I hope too, and just harder full body work. So that's five days a week. And 15 mile trail runs two days, which that's a fair amount. So now seven days, which I'm wondering what day is your recovery day and off day, by the way. Um, that's That's a lot of volume to be doing. So make sure that there's differentiation in there too, and growth and adaptation and progression, because if that's sort of where you are right now, I hope you're not repeating that type of week too often because that's just going to be adapted to and not progressed from. So I hope I uh, answered that properly. All right, this question comes from one of my former athletes. Um, good guy, and I look forward to seeing him again in Sweden when I come there in September. Hey, Chris, uh, check out this video about FTP. It got me thinking about intervals I was doing on the bike on your 
prescription last fall. Fall in the video, there are two diff there are two riders with different profiles: one with a high sprinting capacity and low FTP, and another with a low sprinting capacity and high FTP. FTP is sort of lactate threshold, uh, T2, anaerobic threshold. Um, it's a number. Um, that's quite commonly used in exercise physiology with regards to cyclists and runners, but mainly cyclists when it comes to training. Then when 120% of FTP 30-second sprint is prescribed, it doesn't really have the desired effect on the sprinter. While it's quite hard for the guy with a high, high FTP, I remember feeling something similar with the intervals that I got from you. The sprints felt way too easy. Meanwhile, I could have a tough time maintaining speed for a longer time. So the question is, if I should have done a sprint test as well, which could inform the wattage for the prescribed intervals better than FTP test could. And for the easier Z2 efforts, should I have taken it even easier? Well, there you go again. <laughs> Zone two can never be too easy. You have to be quite an elite athlete so that you have to bump the floor of zone two up to make sure you are training properly. But again, I've said this so many times, you can't do any damage by training too easy. You can do damage by training a tick too hard. The other thing is I did not watch the video, Will, I'm sorry, but um, a lot of these inputs and the internet will it will just you know, confuse way too many people. I don't even get involved with half of this. And most people are surprised how little I pay attention to triathlon running, <clears throat> multi-sport training. I just do my reading, my research separately from any type of training with regards to what's out there and more about listening to the athletes and the needs and talking to other coaches and getting a lot of inputs Um from a variety of different sources, but surely not on what's in the industry or on in periodicals or on the internet. But anyway, that's a little side note. Um, 30 second sprints are very, very bizarre uh, with regards to outcome on the body. While they do give you some interesting data, they are so short and such high intensity that it doesn't give you a trend line with regards to what you're capable of. Your body doesn't fatigue accurately or really have a proper response in 30 seconds. Just think of when you've trained, when anybody's trained, in 30 seconds, your heart rate doesn't really even get to the high point where it can get to um, in order to really hit max effort or really settle into steady state. And so 30-second sprints are not really a good gauge for an endurance athlete. Now, they're used for cyclists in different um, realms and with regards to different specialties, but not for endurance athletes. And so to, to round out this question um, and to give you some background, that's why on a lot of testing, I actually have grown over the years with the help of um, a good friend of mine who's a really good um, cycling coach, exercise physiologist, and um overall knows a lot and I, I work with him very closely on a variety of concepts. We, he, I have pushed the time out of our lactate threshold testing from three minutes to four minutes to six minutes currently per stage. And why is that? Because exactly that, in order for the body to find homeostasis, steady state, it takes longer 
and we get better data the longer it's there. Now, of course, there's a point of diminishing returns, but around four to six minutes, we see different data from a lactate stage test than we did for three minute stages. Because again, by the time the heart rate steadies, by the time the body settles into that wattage of those upper wattage stages, different physiological signals are being shown. And so you can imagine what a 30-second sprint will give us nothing. The delayed heart rate um, rise will not tell us enough because we don't know whether it's at 40 seconds, at 50 seconds, how long it takes your heart rate to go continue to go up after the 30-second sprint, as well as what kind of wattage you can put forth past that 30-second sprint. Right? Because your body is wanting to settle and maybe getting ready to even put forth a greater effort. Right? There's certain types of ATP being, not certain types, ATP is being produced differently for 30 seconds than if it's getting ready for a um, five, six, seven minute high wattage steady state phase. ATP runs out really quickly. Creatine, done, all that stuff, done, boom. Now you're on sugars and fats and so forth. So again, a lot of different inputs that we need for endurance training. So um, back to your question, should I have done a sprint test as well? No, no, you're getting ready for an ultra endurance event. You are getting ready for multiple endurance events in a year, four in a year. So in order for us to prepare the body for that, we needed to still do the boring work. And it takes years for the body to build up that boring work. Again, like I've talked about in the earlier part of this podcast, which could inform the wattage of the prescribed intervals than FTP test could. Not in my opinion at all. And for the easier Z2 efforts, should I have taken it even easier? Yes. You, again, going too easy is never the issue. If, if your training logs say to me, I took it really easy today. I sat in the small chain ring. I had a, held a steady cadence and I just spun away for hours. That's a great workout. That works out awesome. That's exactly what I want to see. So hope that answers that question. I had an interesting couple of days that I wanted to share since I think they sort of fit into the bigger picture of our training and this ultra endurance world. And I found that when I talk about my own experiences, it relates and helps um, clarify and crystallize um, the stories and the concepts that I talk about here on this podcast, especially when it comes to balance. This past few weeks, my training has definitely been upped due to an Ironman coming up. And... I would say over the last two, 72 hours, uh, maybe a bit more, a couple of days, I started getting the first few signs that play on the delicate balance of fitness. And what I mean by that is, on the one hand, my body feels really good. It's responding really well to the fitness. And with that, the mind starts wandering into um, a past self, as well as extending what our expectations were previously. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. I started extending my expectations of this coming Ironman beyond uh, the 
initial plans and desired outcomes to something of the past, something of a person I might have been four, five, six, seven, ten years ago. That fitness, looking for those times, results, those sensations, those numbers, it was starting to reconnect with triathlon fitness that I probably haven't done at this level um, in ooh, since 2014. Yeah, 2014. Um, and so it's been four years and for to feel that again. But again, a few days ago, I started extending the expectations out beyond who I currently am. And I will clarify this in this in this as I expand here in a moment. But what happens with that too is the signs started coming up that the balance was getting knocked out. The first sign was that my better half had expressed some clear imbalances, whether it's regards to home life, whether it's regards to my pressures of work and um, not, uh, yeah, a bit of anxiety around it and knowing that I have a lot going on and not taking the proper time and priorities and balance to successfully get those done. And that requires sleep, that requires recovery, that requires being smarter about the training, that requires spending the time focused at work when working, that requires maintaining healthy relationships. Otherwise, your time and your mind wanders while you're doing the other things. You're out of sync. The other uh, night, actually last night, I had a hard time falling asleep because my mind was dealing with those processes of anxiety, of um, thinking ahead with regards to the training, with regards to work, with regards to a family vacation coming up, with regards to knowing deep down inside that I am out of sync that I'm not my best self and that I'm not um, keeping things um, within their proper priority list as well as, um, again, it's my inner self reaching out and sort of smacking me in the face and saying, dude, you're, you're, you're out of balance. And then this morning on a run, I'm already feeling those sensations, already hearing those things from others. I had an awesome spill on the trails. I face planted full on yard sale down the trail. Um, I wasn't going super fast, but fast enough that I slid on the ground a good ways. It's super dry right now here on our trails in California. So the cloud of dust and dirt and grime on the sweaty body and then some rocks and stuff just cut me up in a few spots and made me look like literally um, a monster getting back up again, um, like Chewbacca, just full of brown dirt. My face was brown. Everything was brown. My watch was brown. My clothes was brown. Just a ton of dust. But it was interesting. That was the third sign. I got up and took a few steps and breaths and stopped my watch and exhaled for a moment and realized, man, that's how quick it can go. I could have twisted an ankle. I could have broken an elbow. I mean, there's plenty of rocks and roots. I missed cracking my head open on a rock right next to where I landed by a few inches. 
My hand, as it extended out, could have easily hit a rock, a stone. There's a pretty rocky spot. Um, but no, I, I slid and wiped out in probably the most ideal spot. But like I said, I got up and I was like, wow. I got rattled to the point of, you know what? What am I doing? I am grateful for where I am right now. It is July 14th. I am two weeks out of an Ironman. It is July 14th. I'm healthy. I'm fit. I feel connected to my fitness like I haven't with regards to triathlon in four or five years. I am happy with regards to my business. I'm happy with regards to my family. I'm excited to go on a family vacation with them tomorrow for a week. And yes, up until 48 hours ago, I was stressing about how I'm so fit and the workouts next week, how they'll be compromised. I mean, my thought process was completely out of whack. Here I talk on the podcast about balance, about making it all work and prioritization and keeping the stool, the three-legged stool. On the one hand, I'm preaching. On the other hand, I wasn't living it. And those three steps that happened that culminated in that wipeout this morning and realizing as I was running the rest of the way through the woods and my trails, my, my home trail, um, how grateful I should be and how ideal this is lining up and how I just need to trust my fitness and the last few months and the years and my knowledge and knowing that I'm doing the best that I can and realizing that my vacation next week with my family is way more important than as I was extending my expectations beyond what I had set for myself many, many weeks and months ago with what this Ironman is. This Ironman is 100% designed to be a long training day and to validate my Ultraman entry. But because... I have passed um, history in Ironman, obviously, with many, many Ironmans done. This will probably be number 36 or number 37. I don't remember anymore. Might even be number 40. <laughs> Can't keep up. Um, as well as other people hearing and friends hearing that I'm doing an Ironman again. And are you going to win it? And things like that. Are you going to win your age group? Are you going to take a Kona slot? Are you... I got way out over my desired outcomes. I got way out over my goals and what the expectations for this event is. I got way out over what I wanted this training to be, which was a build in fitness, but nothing beyond that, not creating anxiety, not shifting priorities from things that are more important currently in my life, which is family and work versus triathlon or um, results. Now, don't get me wrong, the building the fitness through 2018 is part of the bigger picture, but it's not supposed to create pressures. Must do this, must put that on hold, must get this sleep, must do that. I was out of balance. And I have some apologies to make and some things to catch up on because I got caught up in my own head. And we all make those mistakes. We absolutely, I am 100% part of that. And that's what this story is. 
not this story. This is my reality the last four or five days. I went over the edge. I went over the edge of balance. And while last week I was still there and it was still making sense and the plans and so forth, I pushed too far this week with regards to wanting to get in more and expecting more, right? Um, if I were to say it two weeks ago, I was coming off of a recovery week and a build, a gradual build from my boulder training. And there was a variety of um, good training there. But then I came back early, as I said, with regards to our dog and some other needs. And so that's fine. And so the training builds from there and things were still holding on okay. But this week, I definitely tried to cram in too much. I tried to be more than what I currently am. And that's another key point with all this. I talk about it all the time on this podcast, but here I was doing the exact same thing. I was trying to be more than I currently was. I was trying to connect back with fitness and training methodology and hours and sensations and how I treat my environment and my world around me. I was re, um, going back to how it used to be. And that's just not who I am anymore with regards to priorities, with regards to life, with regards to work. I talk about a lot on the podcast of there's a, there are windows in our lives where we have time and the space and the mental capacity to do the big training, the big hours. And for everybody, that means something different. I get that. But when those windows open up, those windows are open because other things are lighter, are giving us space. And we have the way to do the training without taxing the other priorities in our life because things are lower or more solidified there and so forth. And so currently, trying to put a past type of training outlook, a past window, a past training methodology approach into this, this window doesn't work. And luckily, thankfully, gratefully, I recognized over the last 72, 96 hours that I went over. And that's what I wanted to share. I wanted to share that wipe out this morning, that rattle and like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Where am I? What was I doing? I was getting out beyond what the desired outcome was for this event and what, how, how life currently lines up in order to do this event. And that's the important thing for all of us, the lesson for me and the reminder for me, but also the part that I wanted to share with all of you. And that is that the windows, we need to stick true to what we committed to. And if we expect too much, too quickly, too suddenly in the wrong window, however it is, however we want to describe the situation, it will burn and tax the other legs of the stool. And I was definitely chipping away at them. But luckily, tomorrow I go on vacation and I caught the opportunity to spend a beautiful week with my family and I will see a lot of friends out there and I will exhale and I will not take myself so seriously and I will not take this event so seriously and I will be comfortable with being the fitness 
and the person of who I am on July, whatever, 29th for race day and trusting in fitness and past experience and that I don't have to be that guy. I can be the guy I currently am with my training, with my family, with my business, with my fitness, with my surroundings, with my loved ones, with the people I care about, with everything. And yeah, I hope that um, added some value for all of you. It adds value, of course, to me to share it and express it and um, have a way to show that I realize too that I make a lot of mistakes with this three-legged stool as well. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I just thought I'd share a funny note. It's about 3.30 in the afternoon, and I'm in the midst of a pretty solid training week, basically my last one before Ironman Canada um, in two weeks because next week I'm on vacation with the family and kids and so forth and not bringing bike. So they'll be mostly running, but uh, some swimming, of course, but for sure no biking. So it'll be a week of lighter activities, which is fine. Uh, then I'll still have five more days or six more days until Ironman. So I'll figure it out. But the reason I bring it up is because this is my last real big training week and 3.30 in the afternoon. I already had lunch around 1, which is a fair amount of food, and I'm going out to dinner tonight. But um, when I'm in big training phases, I pre-eat before I go to dinner. So I just had probably about uh, six little mini potatoes, three eggs, some bread, some sautéed spinach, and an avocado, and some nutritional yeast all combined into a big old, well, not the bread, into a big old omelet. And uh, yeah, that's called pre-eating when you're in a big training week. And again, these are the weeks where I listen to when I get hungry, I eat. Um, I know I'm going to have plenty of hours and deficits during the week where my body, there's no way to catch up on the fueling and the food needed for the hours of training I'm doing. Um, for example, tomorrow I have a six-hour bike and a run after that. So that bike alone will burn 4,000 calories, maybe the run another five, 600. I have a, probably a regular burn rate with metabolism at this time of year due to the training of probably about 3,000 calories a day. So now we're talking in order to get back to par, I need to eat 7,600 calories tomorrow. <laughs> which as you can see when I'm biking six hours and running and then sort of only have a few hours left in the day um, I'm not going to sit there and just pound my face with food all day so the rest of the time days like today where I just had an hour and a half cycling class an hour and 20 minute swim and a short strength workout um, I use the windows to eat when I get hungry, or not necessarily hungry, but I feel hunger coming on. Hungry is a dangerous definition um, to be throwing around. Uh, I'm, I'm truly not hungry, but I feel the sense of my body telling me that it would like some calories, it would like some food. And since I'm going out to dinner tonight, 
and don't want to sit there and eat $130 worth of food myself. Um, I like to pre-eat on days like this. And that's why I was laughing in the beginning. I think that's funny. Um, I used to do that a lot uh, when I was younger in my dating years. And, um, and while my partner completely understands that when she's out with to dinner with me, if I'm not eating a lot, she asks me what's wrong or she checks if I ate like a loaf of bread or <laughs> pre-ate before dinner because she knows um, that I eat a lot. I eat a lot in general. I'm, I'm a big eater, but when in big training, it's pretty funny. And yeah, so in my younger years, when um, not in a committed relationship and going out on dates or meeting people out for drinks or for dinner, um, it was always a case of pre-eating because I didn't want to be that guy, that slob, that person who becomes sort of a sideshow at dinner with my friends where it's like, up, oh, dinner number two, up, oh, dinner number three, he just keeps ordering food. So anyway, does anybody else get that same sensation? I know there's many of you out there that have the same sensation because over 25 years of doing this, I've come across a lot of athletes that are exactly the same. And I know it for my swimming years. I know it for my triathlon years. I definitely know it for my ultra running years. And I'm feeling it now in all kinds of different endurance events. So again, one of the funny stories and side notes of what we as ultra endurance athletes go through. And it's completely normal, you guys, and not that you're not normal, but I would highly encourage you to understand how your caloric needs and your breakdown, not necessarily in macro calories um, and nutrition like that, but more in the hours of the day and how to fuel timely and knowing how to get in your calories for a week when it's a big training week and big volume. I have athletes currently doing, you know, a five or six hour run on a Saturday and a four and a five hour run on a Sunday um, and sometimes even broken up. So six hours on a Saturday afternoon or, you know, starting at 11 or 10 in the morning. So they're done around four. That only gives them about four or five hours of recovery time, waking time, eating time. I want them in bed early. At the crack of dawn, 5.30, 6 a.m., I want them running again three, four hours, right? Um, done, recover, eat, and then that afternoon, another two, three hours. Again, we're compacting the time of load in as minimal time as possible as they're getting ready for 100-mile runs, 200-mile runs, Ultraman, different types of events, ultra-endurance events, um, where... Because you're out there for such a long time, um, we can't simulate that in training. Ultraman we can because you have sleep and recovery on the three days in between. But if you're out for a 200-mile run or a 100-mile run or you know these max transcontinental bike rides, these randonneurs where you are riding until you literally need to stop because you sleep, things like that, um, marathon swimmers where you're swimming through the day and into the night, um, you need to, we need to get the body ready for compacting as much training in the shortest amount of time. And again, since we can't simulate that properly, what we do is we try to reduce the time um, of, of volume with recovery into a shorter window. So anyway, side note there, hope you uh, got some value and laughs out of that.